Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus, the new BCS version. I'm Colin Wilson. Why the new BCS? Because it's Brett, Colin, Stucky, podcasting about college football week seven. We're already at week seven, halfway through the season. First reported by our own Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy is sources. Hey, Lane, Colin Wilson with the Action Network. Before last season, the record for fourth down attempts was 46. Well, thank you. I did not know we set a record. Yeah, I'm Scott Fanfell. Thank you so much. It's exciting finish. Sorry, Stucky. The new BCS, it's an unstructured format for us to sit around real quickly, give you guys a take on college football. And, uh, of course, at the end of the show, we'll have a sources stumper where I've got major makeup to do in the trivia mm-hmm. area. But, uh we are going to uh, bypass any Heisman talk because CJ Stroud has taken off with it. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the guys. I went three, two, and one on the BBOC live show on Saturday, that push coming under 69 TCU, Kansas, where Brett texts me after the first quarter said, good job on the under. <laughs> what was the score? Three, <laughs> zero. What? Like, where did all these points come from in the second half? Bean, bean nation. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I think I, I went three and one on the show, but we're, we'll give out picks too at the end here. I think we're nine and one giving out early season picks. So trust me, I'll, I'll give out a weekday one and it'll be ugly as always. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, two things. I'm at the Brett's rankings. I tweeted out on Saturday after a few <laughs> drinks that I will fire him into the sun. If Michigan is number four, I don't even think is Michigan even in your top 10 now. So I'm glad we don't have to fire you into the sun. Yeah. I, I saw your, I saw your tweet after I had done my AP poll. I had wow. Michigan at I had Michigan at number nine. Okay. So I was not influenced by you. I again look, I just 
forget what they did or didn't do against Indiana. I just think everybody I've ranked in front of them has better wins that yeah. obviously can change. But yeah, I I don't think they're a, a top eight team right now. Um, doesn't mean they can't be, but yeah, we actually agreed. So uh, I'm safe for another week. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, uh, Michigan fans. You guys could end up being uh, winning the national title. You could be a top two team. You all have a chance to keep winning. And if you do, you'll go to the college playoff and you'll have a chance to play for the national title. But as of right now, the body of work just isn't that great. And the same thing goes for Oklahoma State fans, by the way, who are coming at me in <laughs> like flocks. Someone, there's a big Ohio State, uh, I mean, Oklahoma State fan account who has a huge following who retweeted me and was like, look at this clown who says we're the most overrated team in the country biggest frauds so i get maybe three times an hour a random oklahoma state fan account that says stucky is the biggest fraud on the internet how does he have fifty thousand followers this guy and then they just they're coming at me so i'm enemy number one in oklahoma state fan twitter which is like way bigger than i thought go tcu <laughs> go horn frogs and by the way we're just having fun like if i think a team is overrated that's that's the fun of college football so now we're at the point where it's like I cert- I think some of these teams are overrated, and we I, that's the beauty of Twitter. But man, they are coming at me, so I got to give them credit for their passion. It's like Brett's relationship with the entire Ohio State fan base, you know. Yeah. Like, not sure there's as many lovers as there is haters. Uh, yeah. It's like my relationship with every fan base. You know, they love they love me when I rank them number one in the other 130 schools. I'm under underrating their teams. Uh, Stucky, look, is a proud alumni of Oklahoma State. Uh, don't take it personally. You know, this this is heady times for Oklahoma State. You know, we're we're one of only two schools that have won every game by double digits this year. The other OSU has also done that. And Oklahoma could be headed towards one of their worst seasons yeah. in not only recent history, but maybe in a hundred years. So uh this is rare air for the Cowboys. Huge game for the Pokes. I know we'll talk about it Saturday on our live show. Uh man, I just I love what Sonny Dykes has done. I love what TCU's done. I, d- I wonder how much they they have left in the tank. And I wonder if maybe they've reached, I don't want to say they've reached their peak, but maybe, uh, you know, getting Oklahoma State more than a field goal. Who knows? Uh, you know, again, we'll talk about that Saturday. But Stuck, uh, just, you know, Oklahoma State fans, you know, they're just, they're passionate. Don't take it personally. Oh, I love it. Trust me. I, I I fight. I have Vols fans. I get DMs, death threats from Titans fans in Nashville because I'm I'm fading the Titans and think they're a fraud and they keep winning on flukes. And then I have a, a couple, you know, a couple towns over in Knoxville. I got Vols fans messaging me to come down and tailgate. So depending on the city of Tennessee, um, their thought, their uh, viewpoint of me is drastically different. That's the, that's the beauty of sports and social media. But uh, you, you mentioned that game. On Saturday, it's the first time since 1993. I was shocked by this that we have three undefeated top 20 teams meeting up with each other. First time since 1993. It's going to be it's the it's the it's I think it's the best Saturday slate of the year. It's separation Saturday. That's what it is. And and well, so if you guys go check out actionnetwork.com, I have a piece coming out. The biggest mismatches of Week Seven, yeah. Oklahoma State TCU is in there. The reason. Both of those teams are excellent in passing downs explosiveness. Both of them are bottom 15 in the nation in defensive passing downs explosiveness. So as much as I sit here and stare at this like total of 68 
and want to try to play to myself that there's no way that this game is going to go to the under. Like I know everybody's going to be piling on this over. It may clip into the 70s, but man, passing downs is going to be all offense for both sides. And TCU's not really good at getting pressure on quarterbacks. And that's how you get a, get to Spencer Sanders. So that, that game should just be an absolute, the real shootout that we were promised in Red River is actually going to happen in Fort Worth. So Yeah, and Oklahoma State is a speed demon. They go fast. So pace is going to be on your side there for an over. That game is going to be insane. And, and it's every conference, like down to James Madison and, and Georgia Southern. You know, I mean, there, there's games in every single conference that's going to break it down. I mean, even Miami of Ohio getting up there and, and the MAC, we're a couple weeks away from action kicking up. Stuck, I'm going to pivot to you. You've already got a Tennessee bet in. I missed the seven on Alabama is what I wanted. You've already you got seven and a half in. You got any strong opinions for the people out there? Yeah, well, I think from what I've heard is Tillman's going to be back the first round draft pick receiver for Tennessee. Like the reason he had the surgery was to be back for this particular game. There's also uncertainty around Bryce Young. So like, I, I, I assume he's going to play, but we don't know. So with his uncertainty with Tillman, I think coming back and I, I just wanted to grab the seven and a half. I'm all, I'm also extremely high on Tennessee if I, as I've been all year, Alabama's passing attack still, I, I don't know. There, there's questions there for me. Like, yeah, we saw them destroy a couple of bad, really bad teams, but the two, yeah, and then we saw Milrow against Texas What What are you going to take from that game? The only, you know, real data point that we have was Bryce Young against Texas. And what, they scored 20 points. It just, it didn't look the same, that, that, that same explosiveness, which is how you beat Tennessee. And, you know, Alabama's running game is great, but Tennessee's run defense, that's their strength. So I don't think it's the worst matchup in the world. I'll be interested to see where the line goes. We'll probably keep going up if Bryce Young gets confirmed in. But if not, then I would love, I mean, because then if you have Milrow playing who can't really throw it, then you're going right into the teeth of the Tennessee defense. So that was my thinking there. I don't know. I don't, I have no word on Young yet. I'm assuming we won't get one until the end of the week. I would guess that he would play. For what it's worth, um, you got Fife is going to start for Fresno again. Jefferson looks like he's practicing in full for Arkansas. No Brumfeld for UNLV. He's off the depth chart. Devin Leary, I doubt, will play for NC State. Will Levis, day-to-day, confirmed today. So we don't know on him against Mississippi State. Emory Jones, questionable. He took a hit to the head. Dylan Gabriel, I don't know his status. By the way, Kansas, a seven-point dog at Oklahoma. Last year, they were a 38-point home dog <laughs> to Oklahoma. Uh, insane. Ben Bryant got hurt for Cincy. DeVito for Illinois, a couple other starters for them worth monitoring. Daniels, obviously, for Kansas. Holinsky for Northwestern. Chance Nolan, uh, Cunningham for Louisville. Those those guys have buys, but so many quarterback injuries um, worth monitoring. Jefferson should be good to go for Arkansas, right, Colin? Yeah, yeah. So I put in a play on the app Sunday night uh, on Arkansas at plus three. I know they're going to uh, high altitude, and I know that this is going to be probably what's going to be a shootout, but K.J. Jefferson – Pittman finally came out yesterday and said, I knew by Thursday that he wasn't going to play, uh, that it was concussion symptoms and that we knew that he just wasn't going to play and he will be cleared on Monday. So once I read Pittman saying he will absolutely be cleared on Monday, that was enough for me to fire. I think that Arkansas BYU game, I don't expect any defense to be played on what's on on either side of the ball. uh, And I think you're going to be able to live bet your way on both of those. A couple of other quarterbacks that you didn't mention stuff. Emory Jones for Arizona State took a targeting hit in the second quarter. He had to be helped off the field for the rejuvenated Arizona State team that's now winning games. 
Uh, UMass, Garrett DeZuro had to be helped off the field in the second quarter. Uh, he had an apparent lower body injury. Quarterback Jeff Sims uh, was injured during overtime uh, for, for Georgia Tech. He got replaced by Zach Gibson. And then Donovan Smith still not playing. Uh, you know, post-game report said that he just wasn't available. He's still banged up. Uh, you know, Baron Morton ended up coming in. Uh, Baron Morton, the new name of the Big 12. Uh, you know, there was, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going with the Texas Tech quarterback position. It, it, it's a little bit of a mess, but I think. He's playing receiver. I don't understand what the hell was going on. I think he must yeah. have been like in the doghouse or something. I, I don't know because he was he played receiver. He had to come in for a snap near the goal line when Morton limped off. And then you have this kid who's your future at quarterback limping around on one leg. And Smith was pl- – like, he played slot receiver a couple snaps, which is really bizarre. Like, why wouldn't they bring him in? I I, I don't understand what Texas Tech was doing. Um, like, because Morton was obviously hurt. Like, he, he couldn't move around. He was getting just crushed by the Oklahoma State pass rush. Kid hung in there, and he has a hell of an arm. But I don't, I don't know why Smith wasn't allowed to go back there and play quarterback at any point in the second half. It was very, very bizarre. Some other big names to keep by that are, that are not quarterbacks. I'll just go real high level on them. Braden Johnson is a wide receiver for Oklahoma State. Uh, in the second half, yeah, he got put into concussion protocol. So we'll see if he's going to play. Yeah, they uh, had a couple offensive linemen in boots after the game. But both teams got beat up in that game. So that's certainly potentially one of the reasons why TCU has taken some money. So Oklahoma State definitely got, got nicked up a little bit in that game. Yeah, and running back Nakia Watson went down for Washington State. I tweeted that out as it happened because Washington State was hanging in that game, but then they had a number of guys walk off the field, and USC just kind of took over after that. So keep your eyes out on the injury report there for Washington State. Um, it's it's I, I can't remember having this many quarterback concussion symptom protocols. Maybe maybe uh, just not remembering other seasons, but uh, you know it continues on into Week Seven. Yeah, we got like twenty. Uh, Ibrahim back for uh, Minnesota. Their star running back, that will be a big boost for them. Hey, one other one other uh, potential issue with the Tennessee-Alabama game. Tennessee starting safety Jalen McCullough was in, arrested Sunday on felony charges. So his status is up in the air for Saturday. So keep an eye on that. Third player for the Vols arrested in the past month. The other two were dismissed from the team. So we'll see what happens there. But – Obviously, you were talking about Alabama's pass game against Tennessee's pass defense. If McCullough's not in there, that's certainly not going to be a bonus for the Vols. What did he get arrested for? Aggravated assault. Actually, a, another student walked into his apartment by mistake. And once he realized he was in the wrong apartment, he apologized. According to the police report, McCullough followed him outside. And, oh. you know, the, the guys awesome. said, you don't have to be a dick. And then McCullough slugged him and knocked out his teeth and knocked him down, and then the police came. That's not good. That's some July stuff. That's some July-August stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. October, you know, it's crazy. Brett, uh, I don't know if you have these rankings right in front of you. Right now you have Cincinnati uh, penciled in your bowl projections as the group of five member. Uh, considering the way that they've played lately, a little bit of struggles, and Ben Bryant might not play this weekend for them, who is your second? Like, who would you – who goes up as the best group of five that he's uh, going to slip? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, if Coastal Carolina runs a table, you have an undefeated Sunbelt team, I think they would probably get in if everyone else has one loss. I mean, their strength of schedule, you know, again, it's the committee selects this. Their strength of schedule isn't that great. 
it could improve, you know, with, with some of the teams in the Sun Belt they would face. But, man, I mean, it's like, you know, I thought Air Force was in good position, then they lose to Utah State. I mean, Cincinnati really doesn't have a – you know, they lost their marquee game against Arkansas. I, I really think it's up in the air. I think it could be anybody. Could um, be Boise after all? I mean, bo- yeah, whoever, you know. Look, Cincinnati didn't look very good against USF. Maybe they were overlooking them. Maybe they knew they, they could just – roll their helmets out on the field, take care of it. They ended up winning. But, yeah, it's certainly not like last year when there was such a dominant group five presence. This year it's really up in the air, which I guess is kind of good for group of five fans because their teams, uh, in theory, will be in the running for the for the New Year's Six game, which this year they will be headed to the Cotton Bowl. But, yeah, Colin, right now I'd say Coastal Carolina, but it's not that I feel that great about it. You know, could certainly change uh, – in two weeks or even in a week. Colin, what's your who's your highest rated from a power rating perspective, your highest rated uh group of five team? Yeah, so the highest rated I've got is Cincinnati. Uh, and they are closely trailed by I guess BYU doesn't count, right? No, so, they're not in a conference. Right. They're not in a conference, so they wouldn't count. But after that, I can't believe it, but it's Central Florida. Am I, I reading really this right? <laughs> Yeah, so that'll uh, we'll we'll leave that on a cliffhanger because we're going to talk about the bounce house I think here at the at the end of the show uh, with our one big wager. Brett, just to clear something up at the bottom of your bowl projections, there's an unnamed bowl on an unnamed date, unnamed time. ESPN's going to take over this bowl that's in San Francisco. What used to be what Emerald Red Box? Uh, we've had all kinds of names for that. Is it is it being played in, in Levi's or what is this? It basically lost its naming rights sponsor. It does not have a TV deal. If it can get a TV deal before, you know, who knows, the week before the game, the way these things work, then they will hold the bowl game. I'm being told as of now they haven't done that. So to make sure that all the conferences are full, meaning they all get the um, number of spots that they were that they're guaranteed by contract, ESPN would create a bowl game similar to what they did last year with the frisco football classic um will it be in frisco again Uh, that hasn't been determined but that's kind of why on the bowl projections we have a tba there because um we don't know yet where that game will be but it will guarantee that 84 yes 84 teams will be playing in a bowl again this year so brett what what when do they come out with like who sponsors and when is that process so like say next year's bowls and then the reason i'm asking is i want want to sponsor a bowl we want yeah, the I want to sponsor a bowl. I like yeah. is it do we have to start looking like next year? Is it two years from now, three years? Dude, it, no, it's crazy. Like you could you go find the list of bowl games and find one without a sponsor, and you could call them up as soon as we're done here on the podcast, or actually call them up while we're on the podcast. That would make for great listening. Yeah. And um, and then basically say, Hey, here's my offer. And they they could say, Okay, let's do it. I mean, you can there's no like obviously bowls that are under contract. Get away for the contract to expire, but there's a number of games out there still that do not have naming rights sponsors. They would they would sign a deal, you know, two weeks before the game. They'd sign it the day before the game. They don't care if they can get their money. Obviously, that's going to limit how much expo- how much exposure you get. The sooner yeah. to kick off, you do that. We need Chad Millman's Venmo account. And we can own this bowl out in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, well, that's all. I'll talk to PK. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we, there was like what was the the craziest one I saw? There was like a like a a San Diego like a some a neighborhood basically one time like sponsored one right? 
There's some, there's San some Diego great. used to have their federal credit union. Credit union, yeah, I know that. Yeah. But there was like some kind of neighborhood or housing association that sponsored a bowl once. Um, I've learned a lot about products. I learned about oh. Cherubundi, the drink, because they yes. sponsored one. Cherubundi. Yeah. So when I used, I to- mean, hey, bar bar stools got a bowl. I mean, you know, and it's anybody can sponsor one. So when I was traveling, like before this became my career. Uh, a lot of corporations I visited were outside of Cook County and, and up in Chicago, right? They were out. They were all out in Oak Brook Terrace. Uh, they were right outside the county lines. They didn't want to pay the taxes. And that little neck of the woods that houses all of these headquarters for these corporations is what put together the what is it? The Makers Limited. Uh, oh, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. 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 So it's Oak Brook Terrace. It's actually like. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a county it's within the county like a, a, a collection of towns around oak brook, oak brook terrace that could afford buying a bowl it was the craziest damn thing and then like and then all they would do is run commercials about how you should bring your corporate headquarters to oak brook terrace uh which all also by the way little trivia for you guys in case you didn't know this how many mcdonald's in the world are actually owned by mcdonald's none one it's in oak brook terrace Right where that, wow. right, right where I'm talking about, and everything you eat off a of McDonald's menu is tested at that one McDonald's before they re- unleash it to the public and all their franchises. It is the craziest thing ever. Anyways, there, there's also I, th- I would imagine there's one other McDonald's. Well, maybe someone else owns it. The, there's a McDonald's in the McDonald's uh, corporate headquarters, and <laughs> like on the where would it be? I think I would assume it's in New York or Chicago. I don't know, um, but on the main floor. There's a McDonald's there, and it's like the cleanest McDonald's ever. You can Google it, and you'll read about it. But they have, like, menu items from all around the world, like where all the McDonald's all around the world. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, so this is a, this is officially gone off the tracks. And speaking of off the tracks, <laughs> have you heard about the Corn Husker Hex? That's right. Since beating Nebraska, Oklahoma, Georgia Southern, and Northwestern are a combined 1-11 and 11. Maybe it's good. Rutgers lost to Nebraska. And speaking of good old Rutgers, uh, Greg Schiano fired his offensive coordinator, Sean Gleason, who, by the way, left Oklahoma State for Rutgers. Maybe he's reconsidering that move. Mm. Um, But also, you know, we've obviously talked about all the head coaches getting whacked. In the past week, we've had offensive coordinators at New Mexico, Boise, Rutgers. Indiana's offensive line coach got fired. I'm sure that'll I think this, I think this shows this shows how much pressure these head coaches are, are under that if things aren't going right, they're like, okay, I need to I need to sacrifice somebody or else they're gonna come after me. Let me ask a question on that on that topic. Is the Bryles name still too toxic to be yes. a coach? Because yes. I don't I, I I don't know what the relationship is between Sam Pittman and Kendall Bryles, the way things are going this year. Colin, he couldn't get hired at Grambling. He's he's I hate to use the word, but he's toxic. No, no one, no one is going to to take the chance. And the in the schools that have Southern Miss, Grambling, they've gone and they've actually made the hire or they've gone through the process. And then once it got out publicly, the backlash was so strong, those schools re- reversed uh and and decided to let him go. So I don't but that trickles down to Kendall too, right? I mean, Kendall was on the staff, was on. But he's staff. for whatever reason. I'm look. I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong, who's innocent, who's guilty. For whatever reason, he's been Teflon as far as all that stuff. Where Art is is not. And again, I'm not saying that's fair, that's accurate, whatever you want to say. 
that's just the way it is. Perception re is reality. That's the perception. And that's great for Kendall, but not so great for art. Yeah. Yeah. What well, about, what about Matt Rule? We got Matt Rule was fired today. I know I mentioned this to you on Twitter. Someone yeah. said, where's he going to go? And I asked you, you said you talked about it today. So what, what, are, what are your thoughts on where uh, Rule could end up? Is he going to come to Boulder? Is he where, like, where, where is he going to be? No, he's, he's not going to end up in Boulder. Um, people that I talked to close to Matt, Nebraska would be a spot that he would have a, a great deal of interest in. I think Arizona State also could be a possibility, mm -hmm. although, you know, they've got some uncertainty there with uh, the athletic director. Also, Arizona State's really not sure what conference they may be in two or three years from now. You know, I don't think necessarily Georgia Tech would be a good fit for him. But what he did at, we were talking about our Bryles, what Rule did at Baylor was just incredible. He he went into one of the most horrific environments surrounding that football program and literally flipped it, flipped it around in a couple of years. Yeah, it didn't work out in the NFL. He will have plenty of opportunities to coach in college. The question is, I saw somebody reported he could get up to $40 million buyout. Holy Great gig God. if you can get it. So how how enthusiastic is he to get back into coaching? Somebody I talked to actually earlier today mentioned they thought if Rule would have lasted into November or December that he may take the next year off. But because he got cut loose so early, here we are the first week of October, that they think that maybe he'll want to get back in it next year. Uh, I think Nebraska, you know, that would be a great hire for him. And then you kind of get into the tricky part that these ADs are looking at. You know, they've hired all these interim coaches last week. Um, you guys mentioned it on your on your podcast um, the other day. You know, all five interim coaches, or is it winterim coaches, all five of these interim coaches won, which is great. But then if you're an AD, you're kind of in a no-win situation because now if your interim coach reels off three or four wins, now suddenly there's this, this you know, support building to, hey, we need to hire the interim coach. When you're sitting there going, wait, I could have Matt Rule. I could have Deion Sanders. I could have, you know, fill in the blank. And maybe I don't want my interim guy to win. So that's kind of the danger these ADs have when they have an interim coach come in and if they start um, reeling off some wins. That is the absolute dream, by the way. Maybe one day one of us will get to that level where someone pays us millions of dollars to not do our job. Here, here's forty million. Stop doing your job. Stop working, um, and just go away. I would be like, "Cool, I'm out." Yeah. There's like a there's like a Darren Ravel joke in here somewhere, but I'm not oh, yeah. going to go there. So. <laughs> For those of you that are do not remember Matt Rule's time in college football, yeah, he was great at Baylor. Uh, but before that, Temple was, I mean, I bet on Temple every single season to make their conference championship game. He was an, Matt Rule was an absolute moneymaker. Phil Snow, his defensive coordinator who was at the Panthers with him, was with him through Baylor, with him through Temple. One of the best defenses in college football everywhere they went. Plus, you know who else was on that Panthers staff? Ed Foley, the guy that was interim coach for a bowl game in 2016 for Temple. Interim coach again, I think in 2019 for Temple. I think they went down and won the Independence Bowl, like the greatest pep up interim coach ever. So be looking to see, like, if, if Phil Snow moves on without Matt Rule and Ed Foley moves on without Matt Rule, then you know we'll see. But I I, I agree with you guys. I think he'll be back in college game really fast. 
And that should put everybody on notice, at least from a wallet perspective, because he made us all bank at Temple. Yeah, that's and those are two like we talked about the Baylor situation, one of the toughest situations any coach is walking to. Temple in general is just one of the toughest jobs. Like just trying and look at them now. Like look Temple compared to when Rule was there to right now. Um, it's obviously uh, a major, major downgrade. I mean, Tem- and- Temple was so bad before Rule got there. Obviously, they got kicked. They got they literally got kicked out of the Big East. They were yeah. not competitive, and they got kicked out of the Big East. They had to go to the MAC for a little bit. So yeah, that that place was a mess. Yeah, and the funny thing is. Rule's always like a loyal guy. So he had PJ Walker with him just in Carolina, who was going to get cut in the preseason, but then Corral got hurt. And then now you have Darnold on IR, and then Baker Mayfield is hurt now. So PJ Walker, the ex Temple quarterback, is going to start this weekend for the Panthers, which is hilarious. Well, Matt Rule, you're welcome to come back to college football. Although, you know, he did uh, he did play at Penn State. So that job's kind of taken, going to be taken forever. So he's going to have to find something else to do. Yep. Should we do a stumper? Yeah, with that, let's get to sources stumper. Brett, I'm gonna hand it off to you. I'm in big trouble here. I gotta get I gotta get back in. All right, Colin, you're right. Now it's time for America's favorite game show. We're still calling it the sources stumper. It may sound easy, but it will test your head and your mind and your brain too. There go. I don't claim to be no 36 ACT now. Sorry, we still can't think of anything better. Checking out the leaderboard, Stucky is still up. A commanding four-point lead, nine to five. If you're scoring at home, congratulations. Uh, we've got six possible points this week. Colin, you're up, you're up first. And remember, no Googling. This year is the 15th anniversary of one of the wildest seasons in college football history. Back in 2007, LSU beat Ohio State in the BCS title game, becoming college football's only two-loss national champion. This week's question In 2007, excluding LSU and Ohio State, there were six other teams ranked number one or number two in the weekly BCS rankings. Name those six schools. Colin, you're up first. I'll go Alabama. You are incorrect. Stucky. That was saving week one. I mean, that was saving year one. They they weren't that good. Uh, Stucky, you're up. I know. I mean, this one we talked about recently. Kansas was ranked at, at some point. They were, I think, number two, which was Kansas, crazy. That is that is correct. Colin, I'll go Oklahoma. Nope, sorry. Oh man, uh, Stucky. Let's go another crazy one. Boston College. Correct. <laughs> I must have my seasons off here. USC. You I, do, I, Colin. No, I I'm, so, I'm sorry. You're, you're off a year. Um, USC is not correct. Stucky, wow. this, this could be a bagel right here. I was going to say USC, so thank you, Colin. Okay. Um, let's go Texas. Texas, no, you, you're wrong. Okay, I'll give you guys a hint. The remaining four schools have never won a national championship. All right, this is gonna, Colin? This could sound really bad, but I'll say Missouri. You are correct. Yes. Two to one. Stucky, you're up. Cal? No. Good guess. Colin? Notre Dame. No. Stucky? West Virginia? Yes. They lost to Pitt. Oh, they yeah. That crazy for the title game. game. Yeah. Backyard brawl. So yeah. Stucky's up three to one. We got two schools left. One more hint. One is a Power Five school. One is not a Power Five school. And they've never won a national championship? No. 
I was going to say Florida, but that's that was Colin Stern. Sorry. Um, let's try Virginia Tech. That's actually really good guess, but not right. Stuck. One's a non-power five. Uh, I don't know who the fuck could that be. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think Central Florida was that good back then. Uh, I'll, I'll go power five. I'll, Wisconsin. No. <laughs> Colin. Let's try Houston. No, Stucky, you were going to give it away. Go ahead, Stuck. Yeah, Brett got, got me on a trivia question when we were in Denver on this team. <laughs> I think it was about 2007, too, and he used to cover them. South Florida? Correct. I was there. South Florida. They were ranked the first BCS rankings that came out. Ohio State was number one. USF was number two. The Bulls then proceeded to lose their next three games. <laughs> Last He's week, we gave Stucky a hint about conference before he answered the final question. Yeah, you can get a hint here. Yeah. You want a hint? It's they're in the Pac-12. And you've already guessed. Somebody guessed USC. I guess Cal, too. And he's guessed Cal. And Cal. So, I mean, there's really two big options here. Washington. Nope. Sorry. Stanford? Nope. UCLA? <laughs> no. Stuck. What? Washington State? Oh, my God. No, Collins. Arizona State. No. Uh, Oregon State? No. Utah? No. Oregon? Yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hopefully, David, our producer, will make sense of the sources stumper game. I, this uh, is Stucky. Everybody lost that year. Every, I, mean, there was I know. I know. That was the thing. That was the craziest thing. So they need to make like a 30 for 30 on that year. You should. 15-year anniversary. It was October 14th, this Friday, when USF was ranked number two. Then Boston College was number two. Then they lost. Then Oregon was number two. Dwayne Dixon blew out, tried to play with a torn ACL. Um, I think that was his name, Dwayne mm-hmm. Dixon. Dennis um, or Dwayne? Dennis? Dennis Dixon. That sounds yeah. right. Tried to play in a game with a torn ACL. Yeah. Incredible. He goes down. Kansas and Missouri were up there. I think Missouri was ranked Missouri or Kansas was ranked number one. West Virginia was number two. They were a four touchdown favorite against Pitt. All they had to do was beat Pitt. They lose 13 to nine. Yeah. Crazy, crazy year. So stuck commanding 5 1 win there. You're now up, God, I don't know if I can count that high, 14 to six. Well, next next week, if you you can, try to give, uh, maybe go like big eight or something up Collins Wheel. I'll do, uh, Famous Arkansas alums for a thousand. Um, so now we go from sources stumper to one for the road. We each give a pick for the week, somebody we like early. You know, not that it matters to you guys. You know, some of you guys may have fast forwarded up to this part because you know that, yeah. We've had 10 picks the first three weeks. We're nine and one. You know, sorry, we're not 10 and 0. We're nine and one. Colin, you've been red hot. Lead us off. I talked about it all weekend. I talked about it last week. I've talked about it in the summer. I'm taking Utah to beat USC outright. Uh, Regression monster on the turnovers is coming. Utah perfectly played in that loss. Allowed UCLA to beat them down. Listen, USC is going to have a little bit of success rushing the ball because Utah has a problem doing, uh, you know, defending that. But what Utah has defensively, USC has not seen yet. Washington State doesn't count. That's a fluke resume, what they built all their defensive stats off of. Rice Eccles is way too much. Last time USC went on the road, 
they were lost up at Research Stadium up against Oregon State. This is a much different environment. That was 25,000 people and a stadium that half of it chopped off because of reconstruction. This is a different thing in Rice-Eccles. And what you're telling me is on a neutral field, this game would be like Utah as a pick? No, on a neutral, I'd make it like Utah minus three. So absolutely, take me, give me the Utes. Colin is back on his Utes. The <laughs> the one the one week vacation and getaway is over. He's back home with his wife um, and feeling <laughs> comfortable with who, where he belongs. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to keep it ugly. The first two weeks I gave – Boise laying six when they were a disaster. And then last week, the worst pick of all time, which luckily hit Colorado State, plus three and a half, who won on like the fifth field goal attempt at three in the morning. I will not make you step till three in the morning because Hawaii is not catching seven. If they are, I'm going to be on Hawaii against Nevada. But I'm going to keep it going with a weekday pick. I'm going to go Temple plus 23 and a half against UCF. Look, I like what UCF's doing, but the Temple defense is starting to play really well. I think it's a bit too many points. There is some enormous regression coming for UCF's defense in the red zone. Like, no one can score in the red zone. It's getting ridiculous. They're number one in the country. And, like, teams are only scoring 45% of the time, not touchdowns at all. So if you go back to, you know, one of them was that last play of the game where SMU called timeouts. I guess they had the second half over. But you go back to the last couple of games, no one is scoring in the red zone. Very it's a fluky, fluid stat, but from especially when I went back and watched, it's not like they're the 85 Bears. So uh, Temple stinks, but I think this is a, just a few too many points. Give me the Owls. Uh, feels on brand after all the Temple talk we've had so far. I'm going with a uh, another Mac under. I think I did that a couple weeks ago. Um, like Toledo, Kent State, under 62 and a half. Yeah, last week. Toledo routed Northern Illinois 52-32. Very misleading. Toledo's defense, four interception, four interceptions, including two pick sixes. Also, Northern Illinois scored 25 points in the fourth quarter when the game was over. This one, the game's going to be a lot more competitive. Toledo, one of the better defenses in the MAC. I think this number is way out of whack because of last week's results. I'll go under 62 and a half and hopefully we can, uh, we can stay hot. I love it. Well, that will do it for us for the new BCS week seven. Uh, I am now in even further hole where I'm going to need some sort of uh, parlay chance from Brett to try to cash in <laughs> to get some more points back, but uh, that'll do it for us. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. We will see you guys next week on the BBOC, the new BCS. Cheers. Cheers.